Well, how y'all doing? Um, today, you know, we're having a family meeting. And <laughs> historically, it's always the lowest attended service of a church here. That's a fact. And in fact, we used to have um, bylaws that required uh, quorums of the membership. And it used to be, <laughs> good to see you, <coughs> bless your heart, thank you so much. Um, anyway, threw me, threw me off there, sorry about that. <laughs> um, anyway, we'd have quorums, it used to be you had to have 50% of your members. You know, it took us like three tries to get to 50%. So in that, when we got 50%, we voted to change it to 20%. And the next year, it only took us to get to 20%. And so that year, when we got to 20%, we changed it to a quorum is anyone who appears at a duly called meeting. And we never missed a quorum after that because basically as long as the church council showed up, we could at least get a quorum. Um, I'm excited about today. Uh, I have one sermon in two parts with a 10-minute recess. All right, so, but those of you at home, you only get the first half. Uh, I, uh, I believe this is a pivotal day for the life of the rivers. And you'll say, well, it doesn't feel any different. Well, it, it does for us. Um, there are seasons of time. And our church is entering a new season. We believe that very, very strongly today. So I want to talk about the calling gifts. But before, and grab your your outline there. Uh, Just let you know, next week, um, following my uh, feeble attempts to preach today, we have the dynamic duo of of Jill and Bibi going to speak to us on on, uh, Mother's Day. We have an all-ladies lineup coming to you next Sunday, so you'll want to be here for that. Um, I'm looking forward to having a week off, and I always appreciate what uh, my wife has to share. Um, Whatever success I've had in ministry, I attribute to the Holy Spirit and to, to my bride. And if you understand a little bit about the work of the Holy Spirit... You know, we talk about God the Father. The Holy Spirit is the feminine side of God. And uh, so I've been highly influenced by ladies. And I'm not saying don't freak out over the Holy Spirit. It's just if you look at the Greek and the Hebrew, it's the feminine articles. So God is balanced. (laughs) He he has the attributes of of great masculinity and great femininity. So you want to be here for that. And then the following uh, Sunday... Some of you are going to breathe. Finally, he's going to get off the Holy Spirit. Uh, I want to talk about the language of heaven. The language of heaven. And uh, you'll say, oh, that must mean tongues. Yeah. Okay, so I'm warning you right now. If if tongues freaks you out, then you want to be here. Because it's normal. And the adversary has taken a topic that was designed as a way to empower the church. Did you hear me? It was designed as a way to empower the church and has made so much confusion and so much, um, what's the word I want? Division is the word I'm looking for. 
over something that was designed for us. Do you know the day the church was born, the day the church was born was Pentecost. You know the first thing that happened at Pentecost? They spoke in a heavenly language. Eighteen are listed. So they say, well, I grew up and I went to a church and we know about your type. Yeah, well, I'm one of those type. And I've given you a year and a half to get used to me to see that I'm abnormally normal to talk about a subject that may scare you. So don't let it scare you. And if you're at home, come that week so I can scare you for good. I'm just, te I'm just teasing you. And I'm going to switch podiums because I got the droopy one again. And it's quite entertaining. So the calling gifts. There's one Lord... One faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. And he has appointed some with grace. You know what grace is. You've heard me teach on it. Grace is more than unconditional favor and unmerited favor and unconditional love. It's God's operational power. Anytime you see grace, it means God gives you what you need to do what he's asking you to do. Aren't you happy about that? Yes. So, And he has appointed some with grace to be apostles and some with grace to be prophets and some with grace to be evangelists and some with grace to be pastors and some with grace to be teachers. These are the gifts of Jesus to the church. So quickly, I have to be done at 11 o'clock today because we only paid for an hour of YouTube. Just a joke, just a joke. <laughs> First I want to talk about is apostles. Apostles. And, and the word apostolos in the Greek is, is a messenger or one sent forth with orders. And you think about them, where did they first appear? Well, they appeared when Jesus prayed and then he appointed 12. He had a bunch of disciples. Disciples as a follower were disciples of Jesus, yes. And the disciples didn't end in the, new, in the end of the New Testament. They were disciples. That means we're followers of, of the teachings of Jesus. And the apostles were 12 that were selected by Jesus, and they were given orders with a message, go here and do this. Remember, he said, go to your city. Go two by two. Preach. If they don't receive you, take your sandals. Do you remember, remember all of that? That's a directive. They, they were kind of military, militaristic in a way. Their mission was to expand the church. Their mission was to, to expand the influence of the kingdom. We know that Paul, the apostle, although he wasn't one of the original 12, had an appearance. Do you remember? Uh, God appeared to him. Jesus appeared to him. And, and you know, Paul said, yeah, I'm, I'm an apostle. I wasn't one of the normal ones. Okay, so look at uh, Luke chapter 6. Jesus went to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, chose 12 of them whom he designated apostles. And then in, in Luke 9, it says, Jesus called the 12 together. He gave them power and authority. Power and authority. You remember, remember? authority is relational. You remember, I did, a, I did months of that. Hope, hope somebody remembers it. If not... $9.95. You can have, no, I'm just teasing. You can have them for free. Uh, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. You'll notice there's two things that they do. They function in a message of proclaiming the kingdom of God is here. And they heal. They, they operate in a supernatural power, the gift of healing. 
Apostles were called to carry out the mission of growing or expanding the church. They were, we might call them missionaries or church planters. You'll say, well, and there's tremendous debate over whether apostles exist today. Well, let me give you a couple of verses. Um, Through Christ, in Romans chapter 1, says, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles. And this is Paul writing, and he's saying it in plural. He's only him, so he must be implying that other people with him are, are also considered apostles. Why? Because they were ones that are sent to carry out a mission, a message of expanding and growing the church. And he said... God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. You'll see another thing that happens is miracles, signs, and wonders confirm the calling. In Acts 2.43, it says, the apostles perform many miraculous signs and wonders. I will tell you, I know an apostle. You'll say, Pastor, we know you're old. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you were there at the birth of the church. You were over in the bassinet. No, well, that's close, but not true. But, but I believe Ted Ulbrecht, who's the leader of our Foursquare Children of Promise in Cambodia, is, is a modern apostle. Why do I say that? Because he went to Cambodia and led one church in 1999. Today there's, I don't know, I can't keep track. Every time I look it up, it's 4,000, then it's 4,500. There may be 5,000 churches in Cambodia today that came out of one church. They came out of the ministry of Ted Ulbricht. And, and he also functions in signs and wonders. He, he prays over people, and they come back to life. Some of them beg, don't do it again. <laughs> it was cool in heaven. I didn't appreciate coming back. All right? I'm just giving you an example. There, to me, what's he doing? He's fulfilling what the definition is. He's expanding the influence of the church. You know, within probably 10 years, Cambodia will be the most Christian nation on the planet. It's unbelievable. And you know what gave him influence? The government said, here, take care of these orphans. We have a lot of them here. And they've had several waves of orphans in that country. One from the, the war. And, and the second, the follow-up of that is the country was filled with mines. I mean, you know, step on them, they blow you up kind of thing. In fact, every time uh, the ministry buys property for a new church center, which includes an orphanage and an auditorium and all those things, and then there's satellite churches that surround it. So there might be one base for, say, anywhere from six to ten they have to hire a company. It's the first thing we do when we buy a property. We hire a company to come in and sweep it for mines. That's it's what we do. Well, that, guess what? It created a full generation uh, of orphans. So, well, the second thing that created a, the next generation, the next wave of orphans was, was AIDS. And I don't, ladies, I don't, mean to be, I, don't, I don't mean to be anything. I'm just reporting the facts here, okay? So it's a culture that very much the women do the work, the the men sit outside the city gates and talk. You can see I have high respect for that. And uh, so the men come home after a hard day of talking, and they want their wife to, and she's tired because she's fed the kids and the animals that live under their house, by the way. Most of the homes are on like telephone poles because it's a very low-lying country, a lot of rain. So you don't want to be on the ground level. You're, you're probably 12, 15 feet in the air, and every house has a ramp. So guess where the animals stay to stay out of the, uh, the 
the weather. They, they live under, their barn is under your house. So you can imagine the lovely aroma while Sweetie's fixing dinner. You know, a nice mix of stew and manure, smell, aroma-wise. Um, but bless God, they all have TVs and cell phones. That's a fact, too. Um, but anyway, hubby's ready. She's tired. So all the men visit the, the, the red light lady. And she gets infected and then gives it to the whole village. That's a fact. And so they've had another whole generation of orphans. What caused this tremendous move of God? They listened to the scripture that says, care for the widows and orphans. And said, well, you know what, we'll build these homes. We'll hire the widows to come in and take care of the orphans. And it's led to this church explosion in Cambodia. I believe Ted is, a, is, is an apostle, a modern apostle. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul wrote, When I was with you, I certainly gave you proof that I am apostle, for I patiently did many signs and wonders and miracles among you. Patiently, that's interesting. It seems like one miracle would probably do it for you. Like, wow. No, but he patiently did it because they weren't sure they were going to believe. Number two, prophets. Prophets. And I've shared with you about prophecy, and we often get the idea of prophecy is just always telling the future. Tomorrow it's going to be this way. A year from now it's going to be this way. But remember, a prophet is an interpreter of hidden things, and they have power to instruct, to encourage, rebuke, convict, and stimulate their hearers. They're, they're basically encouragers. Yes, part, about 10% of what a prophet said had something to do with down the road. A lot of what they had to share was what's going on right now and interpreting what was going on right now. Okay, I, I, this, I'm not saying I'm a prophet, but I just find it interesting that in the Old Testament, you had three and a half years with no rain. And it took a prophet to attribute that to evil leadership. I said to Jill, I wonder. Now you say, no, you're picking on Democrats. You're picking. No, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying evil leadership. Could it be? Could it be? I don't mean it by party, because believe me, there's enough evil on both sides of the aisle. And, and you know what evil is? It's acknowledge, not acknowledging God. I, I thought it was ironic, you know, that the headlines this week is the, the state uh, senate was considering $3.2 billion allocation to combat drought. You're going to pay the clouds? <laughs> I mean, think about it. Think about it. Unless they're, unless they're building desalination plants or water recycling that we can send it through and not get grossed out about it coming back through the pipes again. Right? Uh, I'm not saying I'm a prophet. Just think about it. Uh, together... <laughs> We'll know if nobody's here next week that I offended all. Um, together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Look at that. The apostles, prophets, and Jesus as the chief cornerstone are the three foundations of the church. Do you see that? In Ephesians 2. It says uh, in Acts 13, among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch were Barnabas. You ever heard of him? Simeon. Lucius, Menaean, uh, Saul. You ever heard of Saul? 
<laughs> One day these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I've called them. So after much fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So look, it's saying that, that Saul, who becomes Paul, who we know later as apostle, was also considered a prophet in the early church. Prophets are God-appointed. Did you hear me? They're God-appointed. I'm going to say it again. Prophets are God-appointed. I'm going to say it till you get it. They're not self-appointed. Now am I clear? Prophets are God-appointed. They're God-appointed. They speak God's words to the church. 2 Peter chapter 1. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit. Carried along, it, it actually it implies kind of blown along. Well, what's, what's spirit? It's pneuma, it's breath. So it's like the Holy Spirit's... What's in your tires? Air. What do you call them? Pneumatic tires. That's where we get pneuma. It's from the Greek. And it's ruha. Do you hear it? That's the Old Testament. I believe that prophets speak for people's edification, for exhortation, and for comfort. And time's warning. How many remember David Wilkerson? I believe God raised him up as a prophet to a generation. Most of you won't know this name, uh, but Chuck Pierce, look him up. It was in, I think, 2012 or 2013 that I heard uh, Chuck Pierce present something. I actually, we wrote it down, we shared it with friends, and we went through and we checked off everything he said happened. Everything. Well, that's a test. So when Chuck Pierce... Live shows up on my Facebook page. I unmute. Notice Chuck doesn't claim I'm a prophet. You won't look him up on his website. I'm the prophet. He doesn't do that. He doesn't need to. First Corinthians talks about one who prophesies, strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. That's what a prophet is. Number three, evangelist. Evangelist, the bringer of good tidings, proclaimer of salvation through Christ. Growing up, we used to have the touring evangelist to come to church. Any of you old enough to remember how we'd have a guest evangelist? I remember even when we had the miracle kid evangelist. That his daddy and mommy would write him sermons, and they'd wind him up, and he'd do his little thing. And he and I were caught playing with Tonka trucks. And his parents came out of their motorhome and said, no preacher of God should be out in the dirt playing with Tonka trucks. Well, he was my age. It's like, okay. I'm, his, his parents made him an evangelist, if you know what I mean. But there are evangelists. There are people whose job is to be good tidings. They proclaim salvation. They come in. I, I went to a university. Oral Roberts was a a healing evangelist. That was his message. You ever heard of Billy Graham? Who preached to probably a billion people in his lifetime. He would bring the good. He didn't stick around and build everybody up. He would come to every town, find pastors, put together a team of local pastors and local churches, get everything put together, have the huge crusades, people come to know Christ, and then... Okay, you churches, your job is to follow up. Your job is to disciple. 
That's not what his calling was. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of evangelists. This is Paul saying to Timothy. Okay, you may not be called to as evangelists, but at times you're called to do the work of an evangelist. What's that? Declare good tidings, declare good news. Do you ever know that you're standing in a store or you're at a restaurant and, and you look at your server and they've got that look and you just have that moment of time that the Holy Spirit gives you a little Photoshop of what's going on in them and you think that person's discouraged. Now I'll tell you how I want to evangelize. I just want to give them a big tip and get out of there because I don't want to get to talking, but sometimes we do, and sometimes we learn more than we want to know. But it's also great to, to be inspired by the Spirit to give someone a word of encouragement, a word of hope. I don't feel particularly called to be an evangelist, but there's times that I do the work of an evangelist. You may not be called to be an evangelist, but there are times and situations and circumstances, if you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, remember Him, He lives in you and is with you, that he can just tap you on the shoulder and says, this is one of those moments. They need some good news. Did you hear me? They need some good news. And why are you there? Thank you, Dale, to give them the good news. You say, well, I'm not an evangelist. Well, neither was Timothy. But at times he was called to do the work of an evangelist. Does that make sense? He says, discharge, discharge all the duties of your ministry. The, the New Living Translation is, work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. James Robinson, to me, is an evangelist. I believe God raised him up after Billy Graham. Now, he's moved to television, but that's what he did. That's what he does. Number four, pastors. Pastors, you'll say, that's you. Well, sort of secondary for me. N initially, that wasn't my calling particularly, but I'll share it. Uh, pastor literally means a, a herdsman, a shepherd. Uh, New Testament terms would be overseer or bishop, okay? And First Timothy says this in chapter 3. This is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position. So a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must be able to teach. Now, let me stop right here. You say it's a lot of he, he, he. Does that only mean men? No. It's just like mankind. Okay? It's hard to put it. You with me? He means she. And I'll prove it. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home. I have a little hard time with that. And he must be able to teach, especially in our apartment. He, he must not be a heavy drinker or violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? A church leader must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil would, would cause him to fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be uh, disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. Let's talk about what a shepherd did then, and that helps us understand what the role of a shepherd is today. A shepherd's task were to watch for enemies trying to attack the sheep. That's why sometimes a pastor is a warner. Not Dave and Casey, if you're watching from Idaho, 
but it's a person. <laughs> that's an inside joke. Former parishioners. Um, it's a person that says, watch out. Watch out. Sometimes saying watch out is not a popular thing to say. We've had some experiences in our ministry where saying watch out was just not cool. How dare you're trying to stop me? No, I'm just saying. I can remember one particular situation in our first ministry where someone came to town and they had all the glory and all of this and all of that. And I was actually a little envious because I was watching people gravitate from our ministry to theirs. And yet I just knew something in my spirit was wrong. I just knew something was wrong. And, and I noticed more and more people were gravitating. It's like, you know what? I, I'd, I'd be careful. Oh, you're just jealous. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I am but I'm not. I'm going to get a phone call one day and says, just be aware, Mark, it's going to break on the news on Tuesday. We found out that that particular ministry leader had been molesting the children. The Lord gave me something. It wasn't popular, particularly among those of my flock that were gravitating to someone who had more charisma, I admit it. I'm not charismatic. I, I get that. But sometimes the shepherd's task is to warn of enemies that are attack the sheep. And another thing we're to do is defend the sheep from attackers. So we warn, and then we sometimes we just have to get in between. Not a popular thing to do. Uh, the third thing is to heal the wounded and sick sheep. I love that, and I hate it. Since this is Confession Sunday, I love it and I hate it. I love being inspired by God, and, and I've shared with you, and Joe and I have had experiences where we speak the word, and it's the right word at the right time, and you see a life transformed. That is so exciting. That is so thrilling. And what is so painful is to watch a person walk back into that same destructive behavior again, and us a year or two later having to visit the same thing again. That, that is, that is it's heartbreaking. And it's like, look, we helped heal you once. You're on your own. <laughs> That's not what we think, but it's what sometimes you feel, okay? And the second, the last thing is to find and save lost or trapped sheep. Some of you watching today, you used to come in the doors. I want you to know we still have doors. You know why we have them? So you can come in. You say, well, I got hurt there once. Well, that was then. Is that okay? Boy, the amens are just rolling. Just rolling in right and left. I'm sure on the Facebook they're saying, eh, last time I watched this cat. Number five. Number five, Teachers. This was my first calling. This was my first calling, teachers. And in fact, it's only been in the last four or five years, so thanks to you, um, that when I do the gift test, that teachers, for the first time, when I took it a year ago, pastor came in higher than teacher in my spiritual gifts. It's always been teacher first, pastor kind of like, you know, third. But I'm a teacher, I teach. We got a neighbor moving out last Sunday. They got a puppy. They're moving. They got their first home. 
They knew that we had dog doors in our last home, so they didn't have to get up in the middle of the night and let the dog out. They have a puppy. They have a huge puppy. They're going, what did you do? Show me how to do it. And I said, well, if I was you and I wanted to have a dog door in this afternoon, I'd go down to the Home Depot. I'd go back by the glass section. You'll find this insert that goes in the slider. Make sure you measure sliders and know how tall it is. guy's looking at me like, so I can't help myself. I can't help my. I could not help myself. I went and I got my iPad. I looked it up. I said, do you know how tall your door is? You measure it, and see, there's three sizes here, and you go in, and I'm going to tell you what aisle is. I know what aisle is at Home Depot. That's my second home. <laughs> he said, well, I can get it at Lowe's. I said, yes, you can. You'll pay $12 more. Home Depot's a place to go. <laughs> this is a fact. How do I install it? I said, well, here, here's a video. It's two knobs. You pull it down. You let the spring load, put it back in, and tighten the knobs. I don't understand. Watch the video. This all happened after church last week. I can't help myself. It's like, he doesn't care what I'm, why am I doing this? I can't help it. I'm a teacher. I'm an instructor of things. It just happens to be in the ministry. I'm an instructor concerning things of God and the duties of man. 1 Corinthians 28. 20, 12, 28 is what I'm trying to say. Here are some parts God has appointed for the church. First apostles, prophets, third are teachers. In fact, I want you to know, in many cases, many scholars look at pastor-teacher as one thing. Because even in the Greek, they're kind of connected. It's not pastor-teacher. Generally, a pastor is going to be a teacher. 2 Timothy 4, a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They'll follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. If that's not going on today, I don't know what is. Please don't let today's sermon change where you call church home. It's one sermon. Give me a break. What's the meaning and purpose of the gifts? Ephesians chapter 4. Now this is talking about that list of people that I just listed. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Listen to what it says. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to unity in our faith and knowledge of the Son of God, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love for the truth. What's the meaning and purpose of the gifts? Three things. Number one, why did Jesus give these gifts to the church? Number one, equip God's people for ministry. In fact, part two today is going to be talking about that very point. That's why today is a significant day in the life of the church, at least while we've been your leaders. Equipping God's people for ministry. You'll notice it doesn't say that those are to do the ministry. Look at the first part of that verse. It says their responsibility is to equip God's people, God's people to do the work. If you're waiting on Jill and Mark to do everything, you're going to be waiting a long time. You know, we do this for fun. If you don't believe me, ask her. 
She goes, last week in the car, she goes, you were so relaxed. You seem so comfortable. You're in your element. Yeah, for one hour a week, I'm in my element. But to make my living, I work for Caltrans. I wish I was in my element for 40 or 50 hours. Equipping God's people for ministry. That's why we're here. Why have I spent how many weeks talking about the Holy Spirit? Do any of you know why I've spent all this time talking about the Holy Spirit? Because he's with you every day, every hour. So when you have a question, you don't have to call 1-800-ASK-MARK. Yes? I'm 65. I'm not going to last forever. I know I look like it, but I'm not. But if I can connect you with somebody who will... And if I can connect you with the one who enabled Jesus to do everything he did on this planet, then what more can I do? Second, to build up the body of Christ. To build up the body of Christ. Why did you get the gift of us? So we can build up the body of Christ. Yeah, Jill says, because you're lucky. <laughs> and some are thinking, because you come cheap. Both are true. <laughs> In closing, what's the outcome? A healthy, functioning, unified body. Why did Jesus give these gifts to the church? So that there would be a healthy, functioning, unified body. The rivers is an expression of the body of Christ to this community. That's why we're here. God planted us here. That's why we're here. Our role as your leaders is to help you, to see you equipped with the gifts and the power of the Spirit to do the work of the ministry. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for being with us today. We pray that uh, we will become more and more aware of your Spirit at work in us. And may we be aware of the opportunities that we have to encourage and to build up one another in the faith to be evangelists to our community, and to represent you well in all that we do and say. Amen. Amen. If you're at home, I encourage you to continue to be faithful in your giving. Give as God has blessed and prospered you. You know how to do it. Go online. If you're here in the house, we have some baskets. Okay? Thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and have a great, great week.